Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second annual All Gas No Break Sports Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Nick Bavona, and today I am joined alongside my other two co-hosts, Andrew Johnson and Grayson Sheepy G. Marino. And guys, we have a very special guest with us today here joining us as we pre- you know, preview some of the upcoming action in college football and the NFL while also recapping some amazing football we had this past weekend and a lot of huge upsets in the NFL and in college football. Yeah, I mean, what a beautiful, what a beautiful time to be alive. <laughs> we got college sports going. We got the NFL going. I mean, I'm I'm loving life again. Well, as I said before, we have a special guest today, as we have the one and only Sean Mulgan joining us today on our broadcast to talk about some of the you know, important games that we had this past weekend in the world of football, whether it be college or professional, while we're also going to be talking about some of the playoff implications in Major League Baseball as the season is winding down. You know, the Yankees and Mets are battling out to try to win their respective divisions. So definitely a key time in the world of professional baseball. But Sean, we are very, very glad to have you on today's podcast. I'm happy to be here. All righty. Well, then we're going to get straight to the point. I think it's time to start off with, you know, one uh, of the many upsets. And, you know, last week on last week's show, we had Grayson talk about, in his own words, his beautiful Mountaineers as they came off that heartbreaking oh. loss to the Pitt Panthers on a tipped interception. But then this week happened. And, oh, man. Oh, baby. What a uh, what a tough time to be a West Virginia fan at the current moment. West Virginia at home. <laughs> this this week, West Virginia at home facing the Kansas Jayhawks, who we all know in the last couple of years have been, you know, having a lot of trouble shit. in the Yeah, you could put it I was trying to put it more lightly, but yeah, you could say it like shit. that. So West Virginia goes into this game, you know, they're fourteen point favorites, looking like they're going to cruise to a win. They actually were up at one point in this game by two touchdowns. Looking like they were going to be cruising to another, you know, another solid win over Kansas, you know, bounce back after the loss to Pitt, and the second half happened for West Virginia. It was just not a good showing from the Mountaineers, as Grayson had pointed out last week. How West Virginia had a really good defense, and you know that they were going to be one of the top defenses in the Big Twelve this year, and would you know lead them to potentially maybe being a contender for the Big Twelve championship. But they allow 49 points on defense and the crucial, crucial pick six in overtime as West Virginia falling in this one, 55 to 42. West Virginia did come back to tie the game at the end of regulation, but winded up losing in overtime. And I think for everyone here at the podcast, I think this is the perfect time to, you know, sit back, relax, you know, get a drink, get a snack. Because our very own Grayson Sheepy G. Marino has asked for this time to go on a rant about his so-called beautiful Mountaineers as now they start off the season 0-2. Oh, God, where do I begin? Do I start at the fact that um, I think my head coach might be a little stunod? Do I start on the fact that the defense decides to play pretty good defense against Pitt and then... I- it's fucking Kansas. I don't know what the hell happened. I mean, or do we go for the fact that this poor man, JT Daniels, 
ha- plays beautiful games and then back to back pick sixes to lose games. I mean, like, uh, what more can I take? I want Neil Brown shipped down to like Guantanamo Bay. This guy, I've never seen a coach find ways to lose games like this guy has. It, it's unbelievable. He recruits pretty great players. I mean, like he's done a really good job recruiting for West Virginia, but God, can he not fucking coach? I mean, for the love of Christ, they won the toss and deferred. What are you doing? Well, the to, def- be, to be fair to Neil Brown, usually they do that for overtime. Usually the you win the terrible. toss. At least give your offense the ball to go out there and score again. I mean, you had five straight drives where the defense was just awful. You have to give your offense the ball. And especially, again, the offense just ran, just drove down the field to tie the game. I want my offense back out there personally. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Well, I mean, it was definitely an opportunity for West Virginia to win this game, especially with the fact that, to his credit, JT Daniels did play a good game. The interception, yes, was probably his only bad throw of the night. He finished up 28 of 40, 355 yards, three touchdowns, and that crucial game losing pick six. But in all fairness to him for the game last week, I mean, there's nothing he could do about that pick six. I mean, that's going right off the receiver's hands. That has to be caught, but the return itself should never have happened. But yeah. in all fairness, this was a game West Virginia was supposed to win, and you know it, it, they just they just let it slip from their fingers, and now it's a weird time because if you look at the top of the standings, Kansas is is at the top of the Big Twelve. If you were a Jayhawk fan, you probably just take a snapshot of that photo right now, and just say, "Hey, listen, this is probably the only time we'll be at the top of the Big they're Twelve like, in football, so we'll like, take our chances as it is." They're like, "Is this basketball season already?" Yeah. Especially come off that national championship they had last season, they're definitely they're definitely going wild. But a rough start to the season for West Virginia now, zero and two to start off the young year. Not a good start for Neil Brown, and this is an imperative year on Neil Brown because a lot of people he's are fired. Saying, he's canned. He's not making it out of week four. Yeah. I'm saying this right now. If he makes it past week four, I'd be in shock, and I want Shane Lines, the athletic director, fucking canned. That you cannot allow this man to lose here arch rival in a game that you had won and then come back the next week and blow a double digit lead to fucking Kansas. This isn't Texas tech. This isn't Baylor. This isn't fucking Texas. This isn't Oklahoma. It's fucking Kansas. You can't, you can't allow it. You cannot allow it to happen. We should have kept the tally on how many times Grayson was going to curse during this rant. I didn't oh, think of that. Well, I mean, I mean, this has been really unprecedented. 144 hours ago, we were sitting here recording the very first podcast saying how those beautiful Mountaineers were going to win the Big 12. They were going to make their mark in college football. Whoa, whoa. And here we are right now. Here whoa, we whoa, are whoa. right now. Let's slow let's our roll. It wasn't we, we said. It was, that the, it it was, was all sheep saying that they were going to win the that Big 12. That is correct. I, 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 I not only did we give him crap, a lot of our good friends gave him crap for it. So... This this came back to bite him in the end. West Virginia now 0-2 on the season. So we'll have to see how they bounce back this week when they play Towson. So Kansas 2-0, uh, starting off like one of those Mark Mangino teams, uh, okay. probably about from 13 or 14 years yeah. ago. Uh, Kansas, in the last decade or so, sub-25% win percentage. West Virginia, one of those wins. I think they had only gone 30 years in the past 12 years or so. Uh, it's been pretty rough for Kansas. 
West Virginia probably not winning the Big 12. Uh, now, Definitely. Grayson, as a Big 12 fan, who is your take to t- win the Big 12? Who is your take to, uh, to pretty much just go on from the Big 12 to the college football um, playoffs? I, I would have said Baylor until that BYU game. I mean, we'll get to that later. But, I mean, you got to say Oklahoma probably. Texas, had they beat Alabama, it would have been – well, if, if my man stays healthy – I mean, I always forget his name. It's uh, um, Quinn Ewers. He's, Ewers, yes. Now, the okay, issue for Quinn Ewers is he's going to be out four to six weeks with that injury. So, Texas will have their backup for the next couple of weeks. So yeah, that, that's going to cause That's going to do hurt them a little bit. See, I didn't want to sound like a complete idiot because I had Ewing in my well, head. We and know, I knew well, that wasn't well, right. To be fair, you are a complete idiot. I know, I know I'm an idiot. But, like, Ewing was what was popping in my head, and I knew that definitely wasn't right. Any any take from you, Sean, about this game? I know you're an avid Mountaineer fan. I know I know how much you oh, were oh, yeah. distraught about this game. Right? Oh yeah, I love I love the Mountaineers about as much as I love Boston College. But <laughs> um, we love BC in these parts. No, BC stinks. BC hockey. BC BC sucks. Frankly, um, I, I I don't know. I don't know what to say, to be honest with you. I thought I did think that West Virginia wasn't going to have as as rough start to the season as they did, especially against Kansas. Kansas is atrocious, I mean, since about 2006 in football. And I think that was their only time being decent in college football, at least in my lifetime. I think uh, the last time they were good was when they were the number two team in the country. I, Again, think, I think that was 2006. It was either 2006, <laughs> or, 2000, either 2006 or 2008. It was during it, that it time was, frame. It was one of those times. But, uh, but, but yeah, I think I, – I don't know. I don't know. I, I was going to say earlier, how long has this West Virginia coach been the coach at West Virginia? This is, yeah, his fourth year. I, I have to say I have to say he's on a hot seat. I mean, as a fan, I would say he's on a hot seat, but I'm not a fan, so I really don't care. Keep the guy there as long as you can, because you just you just love watching me suffer. I know. I'm a Syracuse fan. Sorry. And where does the Sports World the trophy hold? Syracuse. Thank oh, you. Nobody gives a fuck. I do. I do. <laughs> Fans do. Okay. Well, no West Virginia fan even well, knows about that trophy. Now, well, now see, Grayson. That's here's not true. Your, now, Grayson. Here, here's what I will say. Here's your chance to get back at Sean. Because I want to get into this next game, and I think I think we know we're all, we're all going to get into. How about Notre Dame starting the season zero and two? Oh my god! They have a home game against the Marshall Thundering Herd. They are about a three touchdown favorite. There is no chance Marshall's going into South Bend and winning this game. Not only did Marshall win this game, they looked very convincing winning this game. They win the final by 26 to 21. The score is not imperative of how badly Notre Dame played in this game alone. A really bad start for Marcus Freeman's era. He's now 0-3 as the Notre Dame head coach. As you guys remember, he was the interim for their bowl game last season. He lost that one also. So he is the first Notre Dame coach in history to start off his career 0-3. It is a really bad time to be a Notre Dame fan right now. They now are unranked, and a lot of people you know, were hoping that they would be in the national championship consideration. That's for sure not going to happen. Their starting quarterback, Tyler uh, Buchner, now is out for the rest of the season with a shoulder sprain. So not a good time to be a fighting Irish fan. But I'm sure, except for Sean in this chat, most of us were pretty happy to see the Thundering Herd pull off the major upset. Loved every second of that. Now, uh, Marshall, Marshall is 
by default, the best team in the state of West Virginia. I just want to get this out of the way. <laughs> I agree. So we all agree on this. Honestly, that Marshall right is. is the best 100%. team in the state of West Virginia. Right now, I'll give it to you. Randy no, Moss is smiling. He is very happy the to see time, my ass, but... little old Marshall take down mighty Notre Dame. Oh, Notre Dame, think they're going to start missing the old head coach. Maybe it's a little bit too soon to say that. I don't think Notre Dame would even make the playoffs if they go undefeated the rest of the year. In a 12-team playoff bracket, that's how badly they've screwed up at the start of this year. Oh, they for sure will not make the playoff even no. if they win 10 in a row. There's, there's I'm literally saying no shot. in an expanded playoff, they wouldn't even make it. Oh, I don't yeah. think they'll... Even if they move to the 12-team, you're absolutely right. I don't think they would even Probably make not. it. They would have to play like every ranked team in humanity to have an opportunity. And they that. never do because they play shit schedules every year, but think they're the best team in the nation. But, you know, that's that's another issue. Don't Don't start, Grayson. No, I will start because no, you know what? Yeah, no, that schedule is an absolute joke every no, single season. It doesn't matter. They're in the national spotlight all the time. Number one, number two. Yeah, I'm what sorry because the whole what has West Virginia done in the, in college football ever? <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, Told let's, you boys let's, to get let's, 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 let's exclude Jeff Hostetler. What have they done? Uh, are we are we just going to ignore Pat White? Pat White what was pretty good. Aside from Pat Jeff Hostetler, no. uh, you're not going to get me on Pat White or Tavon Austin or Steve what Slayton. What are you talking about? Pat White. Well, what you got to remember, remember uh, Sean, sheep. during that infamous 2007 season, they were the number two team in the country. And, and then that was another and, that, and then they lost to Pitt. And well, Pitt that, fans definitely reminded about them in well, week one last week. Well, I was going to say, and I hope you get to this game and talk about Texas A&M App State. Oh, we're going to. Oh, we're going to. But I digress for a second. It's that 2007 season started with App State and the number yep. two curse. It was yeah. one of the yep. most insane things I've ever seen in my life. And I was happy That's as true. a Syracuse fan to see West Virginia part of that. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it. I don't like you. You're welcome. You know this already. <laughs> Nothing new. Nothing new in this this side of the world. You know who doesn't like each other? How about um, the Kentucky Wildcats going on the road to the Swamp and knocking off the Florida Gators in a matchup between two, you know, starting, you know, caliber NFL quarterbacks, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, who are projected to go into the top 10 draft next year for the NFL. And... Anthony Richardson just seemed MIA in this game. He was not there. 14-35. Kentucky looked very dominant on, de- on defense and held Florida just 16 points and a 26-16 win. And if you guys saw the post game after, Kentucky started to eat some um, some gator, it looked like. So definitely had it. some definitely had some nice, you know, nutrients going into their body after that game. But what a statement went for Kentucky. They're definitely proving that they're going to be a threat in the SEC East. So watch out, Georgia. They might, they could maybe be a sneaky team to make as a dark horse for the SEC championship. You know, Nick, I'm glad you just said that, you know, they're emerging as an SEC, I don't want to say powerhouse, but an SEC threat. At least when we can't, you know, you, when you see Kentucky football on your schedule, this can, you know, sleep it off. Historically, Kentucky has always been a huge basketball school. The football program, not so much. So it's nice to see, but, you know, just the absolute power, I guess, recruiting power of this power five in general. Like, you know, when you talk about the Pac-12, you talk about the ACC. But the SEC is just such a step above all those other power five conferences that even the top recruits would rather go to a Kentucky now rather than going to some of these other Pac-12 or these other ACC or these Big 12 schools. And 
it's kind of been the trickle down effect. You know, you you had Alabama, you have Georgia, you have you know the really LSU. really good five LSU. Auburn. Auburn, the, Auburn class for years. I mean, you have the, it's been the trickle down effect now, where you have these bottom of the barrel. I don't want to say bottom of the barrel SEC teams like Kentucky that are not benefiting from now they actually in the national spotlight, not only in football but you know in basketball as well. So it's kind of see it's kind of be interesting over these last couple of years see if you know if Kentucky can continue to develop. Uh, this football reputation, if it can continue to be, a, you know, a ranked team, top 25, top 15. And what this one against Florida is a huge statement for their program, you know, taking up such a historically dominant football program. Well, I think just more imperative on Mark Stoops, who's been the head coach since 2013. He's done a great job of recruiting at Kentucky. And now the fact that he has a quarterback caliber of Will Levis, who is projected to be in the top 10 in the NFL draft next season, it just shows that he's done a great job recruiting for that Wildcats team. They have been a lot better these last couple of seasons, you know, not to the caliber, obviously, of a Georgia or an Alabama, but they've definitely been competitive in these games the last couple of years with some of these SEC powerhouses, and they just proved it this weekend by going into the swamp and holding a Florida team that, you know, Anthony Richardson right now was one of the favorites to win the Heisman Trophy. They held him to 16 points. Everyone was on the Florida bandwagon after the, game, after the upset over Utah. And then that game happened. Now everyone's jumping on the Kentucky bandwagon saying, hey, listen, this could be a team to watch out for the rest of the season. They might give Georgia some problems if their defense plays the way they did this past Saturday. I think I think Kentucky's doing a fantastic job so far. Um, Will Levis is a kid I've been high on since last year. The kid has something you can't, you can't teach. You can't teach arm strength. It's the one thing I liked about Josh Allen coming out in the draft. And it's really the one thing I like about Will Levis. And I'd like to see him in a Giants uniform. I know a lot of people won't. I think they want the flashier names. But to me, Will Levis is one of those lunch pail kids. He could get the job done. He seems seems like he's pretty good. I actually fully agree with that, which is terrifying because we never agree That's on That's a first here. Well, um, it's the first time for everything. Yes, it's true. Um, but I will say, I mean – is it true the swamp? The swamp's just not what it used to be anymore. I mean, people could just walk in there and just. Well, it hasn't the been the like, same since the Tim Tebow years for sure. I'm, but I'm it's go. still always one of the toughest places to play in college football. I'm going to double down further than that. I don't think it's been the same since Steve Spurrier left. To be quite frank, I don't know about that. I don't. He those might be Tebow, right. Those I Tebow mean, years were unbelievable. Yeah, but it was Tebow. It was yeah, it wasn't, I, it wasn't the swamp. I mean, they, they had some great players around Tebow. Yeah. You got to remember that, too. I know they uh, had yeah. Alan Hernandez and, and a bunch of other guys. Brandon Spikes. A bunch of you know, they had the the oh, Pounces. They had a bunch fair. of really good players. What do you mean? They had a, a double murder. The guy I, literally I mean, murdered two people. Did that happen in Florida, or did that happen when he played in New England? Did he murder one of those guys? One in Florida. You guys remember there was that night. There was a nightclub incident he had. I remember oh yeah, I forgot Tebow, about the nightclub incident. Because yes. Tebow had talked about this. I remember yes, one time. I forgot about that. So there was a nightclub incident. Nothing like to that extent where he killed someone. Yeah, but yeah, he's, there was it. there was there was some previous history with Aaron Hernandez before. Percy Harvard needs more. Honestly, Percy Harvard needs way Percy more was electric at respect off that team. That guy has been so forgotten about, and it's it's horrible. I don't think that, he's been forgotten about, but he seems like he was a one hit. He, he was just one of those unfortunate players that you know he's he had that great Super Bowl with the Seahawks where he returned a couple kickoffs, but he just one of those guys that you know had so many issues with concussions and it just ruined his career. 
But you're right. He was going to be a monster in the NFL, I think, if he had stayed healthy. I, I think he had he had a career path as like a Dante Hall or a um, Devin Hester type guy. Josh Krebs, yeah. Those, Josh Krebs, one of those electric, electric return men. But I don't know if I ever saw him really as, as, a, as a top threat as a wide receiver, maybe out of the slot. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, again, it depends on what, what system you go to. That's true. Well, I think now it's a good time as ever to talk about one of the closer upsets this weekend. And we had just talked about earlier with the Big 12. Now we're going to talk about a little bit more of the Big 12, but potentially future SEC. As Alabama went into Austin, Texas this week to take on the Texas Longhorns. I know how much you guys love these two teams. I mean, my goodness. Two of the, yeah, you just love these two teams as it is. But... Oof. This was this was on paper. Alabama was supposed to be a three touchdown favorite as well, and to Texas's credit, they held the, the Alabama Crimson Tide to just twenty points. And if not for their quarterback being injured, Texas very much well could have won this game. They're but in the game. end, the Tide do win on a last second field goal, twenty to nineteen. But if you're a Texas Longhorn fan, this is definitely something to build off of, especially with Archie Manning coming in next season. This is definitely a good time to be a Longhorn fan. I think they're going to be a very dangerous team throughout the next couple of years, especially when they move on to the SEC. I don't believe Arch is going to Texas. Call no, me. he already committed. I that know doesn't mean shit. Oh, you think you think he's you think he's going to transfer? Um, um, no, he's not going to. No, he's, he he's just going to open his commitment up. He verbally yeah, okay. committed, Nick. I'm okay. telling you, I see him on National Signing Day. I can very well see him, especially with they got like four or five quarterbacks going there. Yeah, I can yeah. see him at the last minute, him and Cooper talking to each other and pulling something and going somewhere that gives him the better position to play college now, football. I was going to ask, if it's not Texas, where do you think he would go? Texas uh, A&M. No. I don't see him going mm. to Texas A&M. Ole Miss is always the conversation when it's a Manning, of course. Yeah, could um, be Tennessee also. With could Peyton be Tennessee. I mean, I don't know Tennessee. I know Peyton honestly only went to Tennessee because Ole Miss was facing um, sanctions, uh, wasn't sanctions it? and bowl bans. So yeah. to be frank, I mean, Peyton made the right choice. Go where I could play a bowl game. I, I don't knock him for that, but I can see you know I could see an Alabama coming in at an end. Uh, I could see Ole Miss. I could obviously see Tennessee. Uh, I see him going to an SEC team. I just don't have the belief in Texas. Okay. I, I mean, I actually, day, I could see him put on another cap. Okay. I'd wait to see about Alabama. I mean, look, do I think he's going to be a really good quarterback? But I mean, is he? He's what a three star right now? I thought no. he was a four star. Yeah. Four? I thought he was a okay. four star. I think going. I into thought he was a four this, leading into a five. I think yeah, I thought he was, was a three leading into a four. No, no, no I, no, I think that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe I looked before. He's been he's been That's hyped about for so many years that no, it's definitely it's definitely the four until going he into gets five. To that five star status. I don't see him committing to Alabama. Arch Manning is. I'm on twenty four seven sports right now with Arch is Manning. He? he is the number one ranked recruit. Yeah, according to twenty four seven. Use me. Yeah, there yeah. you go. So it's five star joke. Yeah. That's a joke. He's yeah. good. He's not that good. He hasn't played that talent no, yet. No, I don't know if you've seen any of the clips, Grayson. Oh, I've I have. Seen clips. He's, he's electric. Now, granted, high school translates to college about as well as college translates to the pros. But the kid's electric. The kid's done things that I've not seen college players do. I 100% agree with you, but 
look at the talent he's playing. I mean, he's playing a bunch of, uh, not to be that guy, but he's playing a bunch of guys that do not look very athletic. Uh, that's fair, but I mean, I, I still think he's... the kid, again, this goes back to my, my discussion on Will Levis and, and Josh Allen. He has tools that you can oh, yeah. teach. Size, strength, speed. You can't teach those things, and this that's kid fair. has that. I mean, I, he's got two I, great bro- uh, great uncles to learn the rest of the game from. Well, I mean, I don't forget his father was a pretty damn good football player that's too. Until Spinal his grandfather, yeah, yeah, well, not grandfather, yeah, not grandfather. he's got he definitely has the tangibles to learn from someone in that family. Well, it's part oh, of that. Yeah. There's definitely someone that can yeah. teach him it. It becomes down to who he actually sits down and listens to. Correct. Well, he's uh, the right group of people to listen to, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Just talking about talent that he's playing. Remember, remember, he's playing in Louisiana. Now, I know it's not a Texas, a Florida, or a California when it comes to talent, uh, but we, you have to realize that probably you could probably take the worst teams in Louisiana, place them in the middle of New York City right now, and they would just absolutely wipe the uh, disagree with that. New York, City, New York City high school football is a joke. It's an absolute joke. The rules are stupid, and you're playing in a city where there's, you know, at least in Staten Island, there's 13 teams to choose from. Some of these other places don't have that. They're the only show in town. The, yep. the Pee Wee teams run the high school offense, so you've been running this yeah. offense since you were five. So, Correct. you know, you don't have that in New York. New York City is a joke. A kid like Lewis Sanders is once every five, ten years. Mm-hmm. You can't compare New York to some of these other states. Oh, they, absolutely, I agree with you. That's one. That's what I'm trying to say here. The talent here, uh, don't the talent is here. It's just a fact of it gets muddy. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I mean, for Staten Island for reference, you have three Catholic high schools to play at. Well, I don't count St. Peter's anymore. It's still a choice. <laughs> They still get they still get people to go. I will I will, I can't confirm that. I will say this as disgusted as I am, if if I had a son, uh, a younger son, going into high school, I would seriously consider sending him. Like my brother is sending my my nephew, I'd have to seriously consider Monsignor Farrell, and that makes me absolutely disgusted. Sick. But Disgusting. They're, they're the place to be right now. Oh, 100%. 100%. If you've got a kid that's playing high school ball on Staten Island and he's any kind of athlete, you're either going uh, – If you want to go Catholic, Tomville. you're either going to, to Monsignor Farrell or more Catholic. Yep. And if you're playing public school ball, you're going to Curtis or Tonville. Well, Curtis and Tonville are going to get players regardless. Yeah, I mean uh, – I don't count the public schools. They and, and honestly, in the talent level, every now and then you get someone beating someone else, but – the Catholic schools can basically run all over the public schools. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Stepanak could probably be. Stepanak you know. is, is worlds above everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I, st- I still think if you took the uh, whatever team Arch Manning is on in Louisiana and they played Stepanak, the game would be over by halftime. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, but again, you're also – it's such a controlled environment for them when it comes to – teams that they're able to play on compared to here. That, that's all I'm, That's all we're saying is if you put an all-star, basically an all-star team of people on Staten Island, they're competing, probably. Yeah. I mean. Well, 
You know who what who's not really competing right now? You know, <laughs> considering that this man lost his job this past week and deservedly so. You know, I don't like to, you know, say people deserve to lose their jobs, but oh man, was this man deserving to lose his job the way he was coaching at the University of Nebraska? Scott Frost. Thank where God. do where do I start with Scott Frost? You don't. You so, just ended. So uh, agreed. The first part problem with Scott Frost is, you know, he coaches UCF. They get to a Peach Bowl. They finish thirteen and zero. Everyone's saying they should be in the national championship game. You know, maybe they they could do it next year. And then Scott Frost says, you know what? I'm going to take my talents to Lincoln and go play, coach for the, the Cornhuskers. Bring them back to prominence. That's all fine and dandy, whatever. You know, he wants. I I, I get that. I completely get it. It's an this alumni, man, isn't he? He's an I alumnus. So, yeah. He played now, on that team with uh with Lawrence Phillips. Okay. So now the problem for him was he was nowhere even close to getting back to where he was at Nebraska. His best season was a five and seven record in 2019. And it didn't seem like he was recruiting enough to get good players to come to Nebraska. Now credit. Nebraska has not been as prestigious as it used to be, you know, a couple of years, maybe like two decades ago. I was going to say a decade ago, but even a decade uh, ago, they were still pretty right. bad. But no more Tom Osborne. Scott, Scott for us, man. I mean, there's nothing else much I could say about the dude. I will bring up one fun stat I saw about Scott for us. And after I saw the stat, I said to someone, I said, this guy has to be fired now after I saw this. Did you guys know before that last game? So if everyone didn't know, Nebraska just recently lost to Georgia Southern, forty-eight to forty-five at home. By the way, Nebraska went at home when they scored thirty-five points was two hundred fourteen and nothing. That was the first time in the program's history they have lost a game at home when they scored thirty-five points. And to no surprise, Scott Frost is the reason is one of the reasons why that that happened. And because of that, Scott Frost no longer is the head coach of the Cornhuskers. And now they go into another, you know, quote-unquote rebuild. And, you know, they're going to have another home game this week against number nine Oklahoma. They're in for a long, long week this week. But, man, Scott Frost, I mean, what else can I say? He just was not the guy to hire for the – Nebraska Cornhuskers. That's not fair. That is not a fair statement to say because at the time he was the guy. I don't think so. He had two years. The guy at, just went thirteen he, and zero. There was not I enough. Mean, there was not enough experience. I think. The, well, yes, he, go, he goes thirteen and zero, but that was one year. The previous year he goes six and seven. There wasn't that much on his resume to say six and seven. Still pretty good at fucking UCF. I, I yeah sure, but I mean two years at UCF. I mean I don't think that's enough to quote-unquote say, oh, you know what? I'm going to move all my stuff to the Big Ten and try to compete with the big boys. It's but not the same. Gotta, but you got to factor in again, like I said, he's an alumnus in Nebraska. That's... Any school is willing oh, I... to draw to bring in the alumnus. Yeah. No, yep. I, I, and I agree with that, but I'm, I'm just wondering if that was the right move at the time. I mean, I, I guess in your case, you know, you see a guy go 13-0 and potentially almost make the college football playoff. You're going to want to hire him. In but, a group of five school, no less. It's not like he was out of power yeah, five no, school. No, I agree. I, I mean, agree. I mean, but let's be fair. Who else were they really going to bring in? Les that, Miles? I don't know. <laughs> I that didn't work out. There, oh, Les Miles I, didn't work out of Kansas. That's the show. That's the point. There really was nowhere else to go. So I, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to go with Grief Grayson that, you know, it was the hire, but 
he is not the complete symptom. He's only a symptom of what Nebraska is facing as a program. And this runs deeper than football. This is pretty much Nebraska athletics as a whole. Nebraska basketball has not good in 30 years. Nebraska football, save the same for that. It's the, the major sports at Nebraska have not been good. So it's not, it's a football program. It's not a basketball program. Um, it's more of like an athletic department problem. They have a culture problem at the University of Nebraska. Whether that is from the athletic director, whether that is from the coaching staffs, whether that is from the board of trustees, they have problems bringing in actual coaches. Now, I don't want to go into the uh, you know the son of Nebraska thing here, college basketball, which we'll be touching upon in the coming weeks and months. But Fred Hoiberg from Lincoln, they bring him in to be their savior. Can't do anything at Nebraska. You know, had a good stint in Chicago, good stint in the NBA. Can't do anything for Nebraska. Scott Frost. Son of you know another son of his school can't do anything, so it's not really a Nebraska football program. I really think it is a Nebraska athletics. You're problem. just saying basically that the whole university as a whole right now is just in like some sort of a curse. Yeah, I would not say it's cursed. But how do you recruit somebody to come to Nebraska nowadays? Well, I like, mean, they, we gotta remember they had like they had powerhouse be. teams like in the early like two thousand. Correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, but in you know the in the ninth like. Late 1990s, early 2000s, Nebraska was a powerhouse for college football. No, they were, but again, that went on. That went on the back of Tom Osborne. They had they had a bona fide uh, head coach who also happened to double as their athletic director, and it was a big draw. It was like having uh, you know Arapasigian or somebody like that running their program. Why would you Why would you not want to go there play for that man? Yeah, I mean, it's a different world now, too. Like, it's not – the college football landscape's not what it used to be. No, that's a fair statement. Yeah. You, you and, can't really fight, you know. You oh, mentioned yeah. it. Like, they're going to go to Ohio State. They're going to go to Michigan. They're not picking Nebraska. Like, no. you, Yeah, you mentioned the 90s. Like, okay, I mean, all of us were born in the 90s. Do you guys remember Nebraska football being good? I don't know. We haven't been oh. eligible to play in a couple of years at this point. You yeah, we were college athletes. You got to remember too, Grayson, they're also a former Big 12 school, so they're also competing with some of the older, you know, their old Big 12 rivals too, like Oklahoma and Texas. They're competing with a lot. So that is true. They're definitely they're having a tough time recruiting, but, I mean, their expectations were just not obviously, you know, what they got out of Scott Frost. I mean, you know, it's more, you know, you could say, you know, things could have gone right for Scott for us, but there was times where Nebraska looked like they were about to win a game and everything was going right. And then they somehow just collapsed and blew the game. It was like as if they were the Atlanta Falcons in the NFL. I would oh, venture to say they are the Atlanta Falcons of college. Oh, Nick, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, like, there are certain things that you can't. There's nothing you could do about. He's not going to be able to recruit at Nebraska. What's the in-state talent looking like at Nebraska? Probably not like, good. So you know you're you're the only big you're the only Power Five school, really, like in the area basically, and there's not talent. Uh, I think the change was necessary for Nebraska. I mean, it's just not working out as it is right now. But they're going to need to make a really big key hire in these next couple of weeks, if they're going to have any sort of, you know, resilience and try to get that program back to where they used to be. Otherwise, Nebraska is just going to be on a downward spiral to even worse standards than what they're currently at. They're going to wait. I'll say this. I I think, I think any school 
that's looking for a head coach, I think the place you go, the guy you start with is Ed Orgeron. Yep. And you oh, go 100%. From there. And you go 100%. From there. If you bring in a big if you bring in a big name to a Nebraska or Notre Dame or whatever school it is, you bring in a big name like that to the school, talent will come. Yep. And Coach O is definitely a character on top of it. I love Coach Just, O. I well, would run through a wall for that man. Well, Sean, I'm glad you brought that up because this is definitely a good scenario for that reason. Because Texas A&M a couple of year, years ago, obviously hiring former Florida State head coach Jimbo Fisher. You know, and we've seen Texas A&M the last couple of years. They have brought in a lot of recruiting talent. They're expected to be the number one recruiting class in college football for next season. And they're looking like they're going to be a powerhouse in the SEC. But this past Saturday did not look like the powerhouse that we thought they were going to be. At home, facing Appalachian State. And I brought this up on the podcast last week where I was saying Appalachian State, you know, is always that team that fights towards the end. And they're going to make this game so difficult to play. You know, they had a close game against North Carolina, losing by a two-point conversion, 63-61. to 61. They go into this game, and they just look dominant. I mean, other than a kickoff return for Texas A&M, Texas A&M just had no fight in this game as – they fall on this one 17-14. Cameron Peoples, the running back for Appalachian State, he had himself a monster game. 19 carries for 112 yards. Texas A&M now, not only do they lose this game, now they have a quarterback controversy because Haynes King, their current starter quarterback, he, only, he threw for under 100 yards in this game. 97 total. Pathetic. You're not going to win games in college football if you're throwing for under 100 yards. Yes. Use college football. It's the SEC. Just a, just in, just in general, yeah, and they didn't even face an SEC opponent. They faced, uh, correct me wrong, they're in the conference, they're in the conf- the Sun Belt or the Conference USA, Sun, Sun Belt, Belt, right? They're in the Sun Belt, yeah. So they're facing a Sun Belt team in Appalachian State, and they just did not look good on offense the entire game. And they, like they I said, the only they and the only reason they were in the game towards the end was because they had a kickoff return for a touchdown in the third quarter, and this is now the second time all time for Appalachian State that they go on the road and beat a, number, a top 10 team. They had faced a couple of top 10 teams the past couple of seasons and just, you know, faltered at the end and lost in overtime. But they did not falter this time around. They were able to hold on and get a monster win on the road at Kyle, at Kyle Field. I mean, this is just a tough loss for the Aggies because now a team that was expected to potentially be in the college football playoff probably now loses any college, you know, national championship opportunities that they had this for this uh, rest of the season. So I'm gonna take the uh, I'll take the lead on this one. So Texas A&M has always seemed to be like that loud younger brother that needs attention uh, in the SEC. I mean, you have Alabama and Georgia on. I'm saying this is an A&M fan. You have Alabama and Georgia on top. You know, they've established positions, whatever. But Texas A&M is that younger brother that wants attention. So. Uh, this is going to be a small blip on the radar, and the only reason why I'm saying a small blip on the radar, you know, barring any major sanctions or, you know, recruiting scandals, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Texas A&M has one thing that all these other SEC don't, you know, that SEC, SEC schools don't have, and that is just hordes of money. Um, yeah. They have an absolute war chest when it comes to resources, just an, just an endless source of millions upon millions of dollars. And when you're talking about college football, at the end of the day, it's all about money, um, especially with new NIL deals. If you've ever been to College Station, if you've seen that campus. Oh, it's, it's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. It's a resort on its own. The entire town just 
we centers itself campus we only saw bits of campus and it was absolutely beautiful it would absolutely smoke almost any other campus probably in the sec maybe in all of college sports uh, Athens Texas, is beautiful but texas a&m they've got a war chest they'll get you know these kids are gonna have the nil deals what i am concerned about it seems we uh a uh a culture problem when you have that you know, cornerback, freshman, five-star, you know, liking posts on Twitter, talking back to Jimbo Fisher. Uh, not a good look if your freshman cornerback is, isn't is scared to, uh, to challenge that head coach. That's a culture problem. I, I never liked Jimbo Fisher, to be frank, coming out of Florida State. I felt he was more a byproduct of people trying to get another uh, Bobby Bowden out there than anything else, but I never really viewed him as as much of anything. I've never respected him as a head coach. There's always seems to be, from Florida State to Texas A&M, there always seems to be a problem following this guy. Well, the good thing for Texas A&M is I do say that maybe the national championship hopes are done, but we gotta remember they are in the SEC, so there's definitely some opportunities for them to move up in the polls. And you know, if some strange luck happens to go their way, they can right get right back into the national championship picture. They're just gonna have to figure out this quarterback controversy that they currently have. Because if Haynes King isn't the guy, they're going to struggle throughout the rest of the season. Their next two games are very big. I mean, they're home next week against the Miami Hurricanes, then they're home against Arkansas, and then and, and then in a couple weeks they go to Alabama. So, I mean, if they, don't, if they don't start to pick things going up the next couple of weeks, they're going to be in for a long season. Now, Jimbo Fisher is certainly, you know, you can look at him how he is. You know, maybe you say he's not a good coach. You know, maybe it's the talent that makes him look like a coach. Either way, Jimbo Fisher is going to have to figure out what the current state of this team is for the rest of the season if they're going to have any chance to not only, one, stay competitive in the SEC, but at least save some hope for the national championship. Yeah, I mean, they really might struggle this season if that quarterback situation stays the way it does. There's and, a high chance that they lose to Miami. There's and, a high chance they lose to Arkansas. And Miami also has yeah. a quarterback that could be drafted uh, in the top 10 this year, Tyler yeah. Van Dyke. He's been yeah. a highly uh, ranked prospect coming into this uh, draft coming. And I don't want to dwell on this. I know we've talked about Arch Manning's recruitment, you know, speculation that it could open up again. If Texas A&M fixes their culture problem, I mean, hey, with an infinite amount of money playing in Kyle Field, I could definitely see him swapping there. But maybe Absolutely. it's a dream. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I could see it. I wouldn't. If I was Cooper, I wouldn't send my kid to go play for Jimbo Fisher. I'll just say that. Well, you got to remember, I mean, Jimbo, you know, helped Jameis Winston's career. I mean, you know, Jameis Winston was number one overall. Well, you remember, he was a number one overall draft pick. So he, he might not, you know, his career might be up and down, but he still number one, number one overall. And obviously, when you're a quarterback, that's the number one goal when you're going to go into the NFL. When you're going to go did, into the NFL, you want to well, be he, a top five pick. Did he also help him to the supermarket to steal crab legs? Hey, you know, or that's a, that you, know, that, you know, that's a story. That, listen, I'm not saying I'm not saying Jameis is the brightest person in the world. We know we've there's always been those sound bites of Jameis, but. When it came to his playing abilities, I mean, Jameis got to be the number one overall pick in his draft class. So, I mean, that could be something that Jimbo Fisher can sell upon when it comes to, you know, some quarterbacks trying to come into the, to the uh, campus. I can't hate on that. Well, now we'll have to see what happens next week of college football. Not as, you know, as it looks like the slate, not as huge as it is 
with this past weekend, you know, my Syracuse Orange are off to a 2-0 start. They beat UConn last week. They have a tough game with Purdue upcoming at the Carrier Dome. Um, Johnson's Michigan Wolverines are actually going to be playing that same UConn team this upcoming week. So we'll see how Michigan, you know, we'll see if they continue to dominate as they've been so far in the season after their win over Hawaii. We know Notre Dame is off to an 0-2 start, so it's not been a good start for the, the Fighting Irish. They're playing Cal this weekend. Grayson's beautiful Mountaineers are playing Towson this week, looking to get their first win of the year. And I can if tell they, you right now, if, if they, they lose, lose to Towson, game, oh, man. I'm going to say it right now. they lose that game, I'm fucking driving down to Morgantown myself. All I'm, I'm going to say is, Brown for fucking if you people of us thought can you out of jail, Grayson. Yeah, you might as well, because if I'm everyone like, thought that Grayson's rant this week was bad, oh, the rant oh. that we could potentially, you know, listen upon next week, I might have to actually get some popcorn and sit back and relax because it will be something to want, you know, want to hear upon. I, I won't lie. I could see Towson, besides me being not liking West Virginia, I could see Towson stealing this game. Hey, listen, man. Listen, when you when when you're a big school, you play in, in Division One A, there is no way App State, Yukon, Villanova, whoever it is, you can't let them come in as a Division One AA, a Division Two team, and, and let them run the table. Can't happen. Oh, 100%. Can't happen. It happens, but it can't happen. And but I can see the way West Virginia is, and and again I know coaching high school to college is a, is a very different thing. But you lose one or two games, and the atmosphere in the locker room is atrocious. Oh, I, I he lost the locker room. Uh, I'm I'm convinced uh, his decision in that pick game to not go for it lost him that locker room. In my opinion, well, I have to wait and see, but. I think that's going to do it for our first part of the show today with the college football talk. Make sure to tune in to the next part of our podcast as we go over another wild week, not only in college football, but now we go into a wild week, week number one in the NFL, some crazy last minute finishes, a crucial big injury to a, you know, quote unquote powerhouse team in the NFC and a very, very, very questionable decision in the Monday night football game between the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos. But like I said, make sure to tune in on in to the next part of our podcast as we see what happens for this week's upcoming NFL matchups.